Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where you'll hear right from the source how people like you have been able to buy and build their businesses across different industries all over the country. Dan Claps is the co-founder of Career Transition Leads, Nurture Assist, and Find a Business Online. Christian Dadalak is a franchise consultant with Find a Business Online, and he heads up business development for Career Transition Leads and Nurture Assist. He also runs an independent franchise consulting business, The Franchise Guys. Together, they formed relationships with hundreds of successful business owners who are excited to share their stories with you. Now, here are your hosts, Dan and Christian. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. Today is just going to be a solo episode with me, uh, your host, Christian Dadalak. Dan Claps is uh, not able to join us today, unfortunately. But fortunately, we do have Jeff Horst with us here today uh, with Rocket Barn. So we're super excited to have Jeff here. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to be here, Christian. For those of us that, or for those that maybe are listening that don't really know you or anything about Rocket Barn, well, I guess let's let's start with you. Uh, tell us more about yourself and uh, you know how you got into the franchise industry and and a little bit about how you came to be and how you how you came to found Rocket Barn. Yeah, so maybe first things first. I'm Canadian, so dealing with a lot of snow up north right now. Um, located uh, about an hour outside of Toronto and uh, in Ontario. And uh, my, my journey into franchising started about eight years ago. And uh, I was about four years into Rocket Barn. Um, we founded the company. I was quite young when we started. And um, we, we initially kind of came across the, the health and uh, beauty industry and uh, medical aesthetics. And um, I was working a co-op job and there was this opportunity to opportunity to support local business owners. And uh, that's kind of how the company got started. And um, right from the get-go, our whole focus was how do we help small business owners? They've got limited budgets, you know, they got big dreams and they expect the world from, from the money they're investing. And so that's kind of how we cut our teeth and got started. But it was really difficult at the time, 11 years ago, to sell remotely. So a lot of our efforts had to be, you know, building local community and building trust and having people work with us. So for the first like three to four years, most of our customers were within an hour's drive of our office. And uh, we worked with all kinds of industries. And through that, we met our first franchise. It was a franchisee uh, helping in the restoration space and uh, kind of working with a local franchisee over an eight month period. Um, took their kind of $20,000 investment and turned it into a $250,000, you know, track revenue for the franchisee. And he was stoked. He was like, you got to come meet the rest of of the network. And that's when we kind of learned what franchising was all about. You know, here it was all around us. And it was kind of what we always wanted to do, but we didn't know it existed. So that's how we got, you know, started in the first place. That's so awesome. I think it's, your story is very similar to a lot of us that get started in franchising where you almost fall into it by accident. You weren't necessarily targeting franchising, but you ended up working with the franchisee. You were able to deliver the goods. It went well for them. And then ultimately they said, Hey, the rest of the system, you guys got to check this out. And then it just kind of spread like wildfire from there. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I said eight years ago. So, you know, really for us, we, that was when we first came across franchising and the more and more we got into it, we realized it just aligned with our values as a company. Um, you know, people first is a big value at rocket barn and just how we treat our staff and our team, but also our customers and uh, franchising kind of has that family feel. 
um, which really aligns their values. So we just, we found a lot of synergies and, you know, marketing's tough. It's, it's not an easy world out there to figure out how to beat the competition to, you know, you know, not just your own market competition, but everyone's marketing for the same customers. And so um, it's challenging. And what we love about franchising is you're working together. You're kind of bringing um, all these small business owners can work on the same team and work towards the same goal and share that knowledge. So yeah, it, it helped us because, you know, it's really challenging to market at the local level. For sure. And yeah, most people, you know, they know their business to some degree, um, especially if they're going to start, if they're going to franchise their business, they might have that code kind of cracked, but you really need to scale it. It needs to be standardized. And when people are buying into a franchise system, you know, whether this is somebody that's looking to buy into a franchise system or looking to franchise their business, there need to be standardized procedures and processes in place to get the job done. I mean, if somebody is paying that franchise fee and I'm going to pay an ongoing royalty, as a franchisee, I'm wondering, and this is a question I get asked by clients that we work with all the time, because um, again, you know, I'm a consultant as well. We help with uh, lead gen on the, on the franchisor side to help them find franchisees. And one question I always get asked by clients I work with is, why am I paying the franchise fee? What is the royalty for? And in many cases, it's, it's for support like this. And um, so I think it's, it's really, really phenomenal what you provide. Um, so give us a little bit more background on like, you know, from that first franchisee you were working with, I mean, and so it kind of just sounds like a happy accident, you know, prior to that, were you in any other specific industries that you were working with or was it, was it super targeted at that point or, you know, and then are you at this point, are you solely focused on, on franchising? Yeah. So a bunch of questions there. Let me see if I can yeah. knock them off. Um, we can just do one at a time. It's funny. I had this saying, you know, we've been around so many different types of businesses and have had so many successes and failures over the years in trying different industries. And so B2B, B2C, there's just so many different markets and different types of marketing strategies. And so as a company, our history, we've, we've tried it all. It feels like some really weird niche products. Um, we're kind of in a tech bubble here. So there was a lot of software and um, different, you know, medical products that were coming out, but where we really focused is home service and, um, and starting to get more into retail. So those are kind of our two pillars right now as a company. And we are 100% franchise focused uh, in the last two years here. And so we've really shifted our business model to go all in on franchising. This, this is where we see um, the future of Rocket Barn and really want to be that go-to marketing partner for franchisees and franchisors um, at that local level. So yeah, you know, you were then talking about the marketing fund and people are paying into that. And that first franchise we were working with, he was spending dollars outside of that marketing fund, right? So we weren't working with head office. We were just working with him directly. And, um, you know, looking at his success, when we met him, he, I think he owned one, maybe two locations. And, you know, in the lifetime we worked with him, he's continued to acquire more locations. And he actually ended up um, stepping into the president role of the franchise network. That was just wow. kind of the mindset that this guy had. And I really see the successful franchisees, they spend on top of that marketing fund. And, you know, every brand is different on where those dollars go. But to me, it's more brand activities that those dollars go to. But you as a franchisee, my encouragement is always, you should be spending on top of that and to activities that are driving leads and really tangible results at the local level um, for you. Because 
you shouldn't cap that at 2%. That should go, if it's returning results, that's how fast you can scale. And um, we love working with, you know, the brand new franchisees who become franchise of the year, um, you know, rookie of the year, a lot of brands have awards and it's always the people who are spending the marketing dollars and taking the risk um, to grow their business. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important for franchisees and franchisors both to really consider and look at marketing, not just as an expense, but really as more of an investment, because like you said, in your example, I mean, you were able to help that franchisee when you first started working with him, you know, multiply his uh, and grow his initial investment by leaps and bounds. So it's, it's important to look at it as an investment because you're either growing or you're dying. And if you're not investing into marketing, you know, you're, you're likely dying. So it's important to make sure you're doing that. Uh, something you did mention as well, which, which I found interesting is you mentioned that right now the focus at Rocket Barn is to focus uh, really on home services and retail. And I'm curious, you know, why is that? Um, a number of factors. Um, our, our team, the way we've built out our team and our skill set, our experience is really in those areas. Um, a lot of our products really align with those industries. So um, we have a huge focus on Google. That's a, that's a big part of the different um, services that we offer. And so kind of our expertise experience really has led us to those areas. But um, yeah, I think that's maybe the, the simple answer. Um, but we're, we're branching out. Um, we do have more e-commerce capabilities and that's, that's a growing market, obviously. Um, and we're also getting more into the um, restaurant space and starting to test out some of our products there as well. But right now, a lot of it just comes from experience and the team that we've built uh, and just a really good fit because, um, you know, home service, the, the sales process, uh, it's a lot of phone calls. It's, it's not, it's a different way of tracking results and being able to give supporting services to make sure those turn into jobs, right? So that industry has its own unique um, you know, process and kind of how we support them. And so we have the most experience there. Um, but then we've kind of gotten into retail and realized a lot of our products really link up there well. And, you know, you build some case studies and the more that happens, then people have confidence and, and you go from there. So I just would say this is where we're the most comfortable right now. Makes sense. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity in home services right now. Um, and, and like you mentioned, though, it, there really is, and that was going to be my next question, you know, what really is the difference between marketing towards home services versus more of a retail-oriented franchise? Because they're different businesses, and with different businesses, there's different sales processes and sales approaches. And so you have to make sure that the marketing strategy really aligns with that, too. So just drilling in a little bit deeper, what, what really is the, the main difference have you found with between marketing from the home services side of things to the more retail side of things? Yeah. Um, and, and it's in home service is a big bucket. There's many different right. types of companies within that. Right. So what I share here, I'll, I'll try to compare the two, but there's obviously lots of nuance between the different brands, but um, I would almost say retail is more of a macro approach and ser home service is more of a micro approach when you're looking at the data. So I'll give an example um, in the restoration industry in, in home service, a job could be anywhere from $3,000 to like 50 or $100,000, right? So every lead that we get there is a real person with a name. It goes into a CRM. It's very um, tangible. And that's what I mean by like a micro approach. You're looking at every little detail 
and you know you're tracking the phone call, you're recording the phone call. Um, you know the the list of leads in a month isn't that big. It's it's going to be specific, and you're going to go through it and make sure that every you know what's the quality of every lead. That compared to a retail approach where there's high walk-in traffic and there might be like a, a pet industry where there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people walking into a big retail store, you're not tracking Joe Smith and exactly all the detail. It's more about like, you might be tracking the walk-ins that come into the mm. store and there's a little bit more difficulty to get into the exact detail of the customer um, and who walked in. So that's maybe just a way to explain kind of how you... Um, so that's one part of it is how do you track results? And then the flip side of that is what activities are you investing into? Um, you know, for example, the, the restoration business and uh, home service, you might be running a more targeted search campaign because someone's looking for uh, asbestos in my house or, um, you know, mold in my basement. And that's like a very specific search that you can drive leads to versus, um, maybe the retail approach, it's a little bit more like they're on Facebook or they're, they're on some other platform and they see your ad pop up for a good deal on dog food and then they take action. Um, it's just, there's a bit of difference in strategy and, um, and also what you're like kind of tracking. Um, those would be two differences amongst many. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So one question I have is, you know, because obviously with, with any marketing strategy, you want to make sure that you're measuring the performance, you're looking at the KPIs and seeing how ultimately the different strategies are performing. And so how, how does the franchisor really know what sort of metrics should they look at to know how their ads are performing, if they're performing well, or if they're not doing well at all, or then, and they need to be doing better. I mean, what sort of metrics do you, do you track and do you recommend that they track? And you said franchisor? Franchisor. Yeah. Um, And this maybe kind of comes back to the whole, like the beauty of franchising. Cause we previously, we worked with many small business owners who are on their own. They've got a, the responsibility of this website. They got all these different moving pieces and they're just this small business trying to handle it all. Right. And with a limited budget and the real, the real challenge is they're not collecting enough data to really inform what's working, what's not working. And you hope to figure it out. But if you don't, you're kind of always chasing the competition, right. you're trying to figure it out. The beauty of franchising is everyone working together, you got a lot of data. And so when you say, what should you be tracking? Like a big thing is benchmarking. Like what is success? What is failure? Because sometimes people go, oh, well, I didn't get enough. You know, I spent a thousand bucks this month. I don't think I got enough. Based on what? Like what, what is that feedback from? And obviously if you're, if you're able to track revenue, you're getting no revenue. Well, that's, that's not great. Right. Um, so the ideal is to be able to track cost per acquisition. Like if you could, if you could figure out exactly how many dollars it takes to acquire uh, a new customer or, um, you know, a repeat purchase, that's, that's really valuable data, but you kind of have to work upstream and, you know, be able to decipher, okay, well, why am I, I'm getting all this traffic to the, to the website or to my landing page, but I'm not converting. Why is that? Is that because the traffic's not good and valuable? Is it because my landing page isn't effective? And so that opens up the whole Pandora's box of lots of different data points, but you need to be able to know how to look at the data and make decisions and kind of 
try new things on. And that that's where we come in is, is we're, we're data junkies and we're really looking at um, how do you read the numbers to tell a narrative? Because that, that's where it gets dangerous. You know, people, I, I, I've heard this before from clients is they, they, they look at the data and they create a narrative that may or may not be true. And that's dangerous because all of a sudden you could say, oh, that's not working and move on. Meanwhile, that could be the most important marketing activity for your network. And yeah, I'm on a bit of a rant here, but it, it's hard. The marketing world is challenging because there's always new things coming in and you know, you're trying to figure out what metrics matter, what don't. There's a huge education gap. Most people don't have a marketing background. So a lot of the franchisees we work with, um, that's not their background. They might have an accounting background. They might have a sales background, but marketing and this, you know, understanding all the metrics is challenging. So yeah, it, it is, it is a, it's a busy world. And I think the key is to figure out what benchmark data is valuable for your network and really figuring out what that sales marketing process is. So you can look at some key, um, measurements along the way and really be able to go, yeah, okay, this is working or it's not working. Absolutely. And I think it's so such great advice to let people know that to be careful what narratives that they're telling themselves or what narratives they're convincing themselves of. Because if, like you said, if you don't know how to analyze the data the right way and really look at it and see not what story you think it's telling, not what story you wish it was telling, but what's the story it's actually telling. Because it's easy to look at you know, there's different indicators, there's leading indicators, there's lagging indicators, and you have to know what is what. And so you have to be able to filter and categorize them into what the real story is. So I think that's absolutely critical. And being able to have a partner to help out with that, I think is, is, you know, is insanely valuable for any franchisor uh, and, and, and franchisees, obviously, too. So, uh, so these days, I imagine, you know, because we met at, uh, what was it, uh, the IFE originally, right? Or was it Springboard? I think it was the IFE. Yeah, I think you're right. I think back-to-back yeah. -back events. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what, what those two events are, the IFE is the International Franchise Expo. That was in uh, New York City. And then uh, right afterwards, we hopped on a, a bus and went straight to uh, Springboard, which is for uh, emerging franchisors and that sort of thing uh, to help you uh, in your early development and connect you with the right resources. And so we had a, an awesome experience there. So I imagine these days, originally when you got into the business, you, you found the way in the door through the franchisee route and you're working with that franchisee, had some success, and then they wanted to take you system-wide. Nowadays, are, are you working more directly with franchisors and what, is, what does that typically look like? Yeah, so right, I mean, what we've realized is you can't, that initial situation that happened, that was because we were naive, we didn't know what was going on and we just worked with that franchisee and it worked out. Um, the next step was being introduced to the head office, and then we kind of built relationship. Uh, we actually got invited down to Myrtle Beach to their national convention, and then that opened up a bunch of doors, and we kind of got into the network. But um, currently, we would we would always engage with the franchisor. You know, you you want to make sure for for us, we want to make sure that even if we're running a pilot with some franchisees, they're aware of what's going on. Um, we're compliant with the brand. You know, we're we're we want a future success for us. It's not about the short term. It's about a long-term relationship. And um, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. So we're going to invest a lot from our end into the relationship. And we want to know that uh, the head office uh, franchisor is on board and, and, you know, aware of what's going on, um, providing some insights and direction. And so, yeah, now our, our sales process is very franchisor driven, but 
Um, I think something that makes us unique, there's a lot of uh, marketing agencies out there and we don't really relate as a marketing agency. Um, we don't do everything. We don't build websites. We don't um, you know, do social media management. There's a bunch of other things that we don't cover. Our focus is really about helping your franchisees master their local digital marketing. And, and, and so it's very specific. And does it sometimes get into the marketing fund? Yes. But most of the time we're actually working on projects to expand the marketing dollars because mm -hmm. the franchisee always feels, Hey, I'm spending all this money, 2%. But when you get into the strategy at the franchise or level, that money shrinks really quick and most competitors are outspending you. And so our belief is if you empower the franchisee to really believe in what they're doing and give them the system, the tools um, of where to invest and then build their education, empower them, they're going to spend more and you can actually outspend your national marketing fund um, through the franchisees because their, their budgets are infinite as long as they're growing their company and they're, they're seeing results. So that's kind of our passion and where we focus and we're not we don't come to the franchisor and, hey, can we have a percentage of your marketing fund? We actually want to go create more marketing dollars for you. Um, that's, that's our approach. I love that. I absolutely love that. I think that makes a ton of sense. And so I guess my question then would be, when is a, you know, when is, when should a franchisor bring you on to help their franchisees? And when are they maybe a little bit too early stage to bring on a company like you to really offer that, that premium level service? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, our, our focus is kind of historic. Like most of the brands we've worked with have been over a hundred units. That's kind of where we've worked. Um, but we're realizing that that that's, that's pretty, that's a more mature brand. So we're, we're starting to create more of an emerging kind of 50 to a hundred unit um, package, which is very similar. It, it's, I don't know if you can ever do this too early. Like even your first five locations, um, even your first location, the more you can figure this out and be able to provide the next person who buys into the system with the package and the tools, the more successful you're going to be. Because um, people don't really want to go fail a whole bunch to figure out how the marketing works, right? So I don't think you can do it early enough. I guess I was answering more with the types of brands we work with, um, kind of 50 units and up from there. But um, yeah, I mean, I would encourage everyone, you, you really want to figure out what the marketing um, package looks like. Um, and, you know, if you can confidently tell a franchisee, hey, if you spend, you know, $2,000 on top of the marketing fund for the first six months, here's what you can expect to see back. Um, there's no guarantees in marketing, but you can, once you have enough data and that brand that we started working with eight years ago, we know, we know what, you know, what state you're in. Um, you know, California, we know it's going to be challenging there compared to Florida, where just right. the type of business model, and we just, we know the details and we can kind of guide that franchise where to spend their dollars, what to expect. And that, that just creates confidence and trust. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I, mean, I would say everyone should start from the get-go of figuring this stuff out. Um, but we kind of work with 50 units and up is our focus. Yeah. Got it. No, I think that makes sense. And because so much of the audience for our podcast is people that are currently a franchise or people that are franchisees or people that are thinking about becoming a franchisee, they're looking at different brands and, and maybe they're thinking about, hey, maybe I'd like to go with a brand that offers some of the services like, like a Rocket Barn does. Because again, 
I want to make sure that I'm getting that marketing support. One big thing that you're paying for, you know, is lead generation support. You have to know where you're going to find your customers. And so that's one big reason people will get into franchising. So they're not having to figure that out. And another segment of our audience are people that are looking to franchise their business. So maybe they have a business that they're looking to franchise. And I, I think that there is a case to be made that it's better to get these sorts of things set up as early on as possible and standardized for their franchisees so that, you know, it's, you don't have to make all these changes on the back end. You know, it's already set up on the front end as much as you can. And of course there's, a, you know, there's expenses involved, but if, again, like I mentioned earlier, it is really more of an investment. So I think it's important to kind of look at it from that angle too. And then maybe once they get to that 50 unit mark, then it's good to bring on, you know, rocket barn or, or something like that. Is that. Do I have that right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't want to close the door. I mean, if you're out there and you you have a good business model, I mean, if you've got 10 corporate-owned locations and you're planning to franchise off of that, well, there you've got 10 locations that you can control the marketing for and really figure this out. And we, in order to work with us, we really have to have five locations to run what we call a pilot to really test, do our products work for your industry? Can we can we create the return on investment that is going to make you happy and kind of be scalable? So I guess the minimum would be five locations. Um, but if you're a corporate owned business, yeah, like you definitely want to, and you're thinking about franchising, it's really to figure out that local level marketing and be able to provide that to your franchisees. Cause when you're looking to scale, everything is about when you go into franchising, it's all about systems, right? So, you know, I think a lot of people forget marketing as a system too. And that's how we look at it. It's like, what are the very clear investments and um, steps that a new franchisee should go through to get the growth that they're looking for? And um, mapping that out as a system and being able to duplicate the things that you're learning from other brand, uh, other franchisees and share that across the network. And that's a mistake I see a lot um, have is they've got the mandatory marketing spend. Okay. Um, a lot of franchisees don't know what's going on there. There's not always clarity on where's that money being spent, but then the franchisee can go and spend their own money and they do, they go find a local agency, but then it's all fragmented. All that data and all the ideas and conversations are spread out and you aren't really working together as a unit. And that's where we come in. We're, we're that local marketing company, but really we're helping everyone work together. We give that franchisee direct access to us. They get their own reports, their own invoices, their own contracts. Um, they feel like they're, they're, they're our customer, right? They don't feel like they're just paying into some big fund and they can you know spend more or spend less. They can kind of control that, but we collect all the data and everyone's working together. And as everyone knows, if, if you can make happy franchisees, you're going to sell more. You're going to be able to grow your brand a lot quicker, right? So yeah, that's kind of how we support emerging brands that way. Amen. I think you may have answered my question a little bit, but what, what I'd like to know is for, so a franchisor, they're listening to this, to this podcast and they're like, man, I think that that would be something really offered awesome to be able to offer our franchisees. How do I evaluate which uh, marketing partner to really bring on and what, what, what sort of things should I look at? What are the criteria that I should be looking at as a franchisor before I, you know, bring on a partner and let them help my franchisees with their local marketing? I mean, I, I think a big one is understanding franchising, you know, like um, we've been in it for eight years in terms of experience with clients, but um, I still feel new in some ways too. There's so much to learn and, um, as we've shifted our focus on franchising, it's 
I really think it's it, it's a differentiator to have an agency or a company that's working with you on marketing that understands what franchising is all about. And, you know, so that, I think that's, that's an important thing. Um, also being able to scale with you, right? So if you're going to grow and you're building this up, is there a partner that that's prepared to scale and support your, your growth as you go? Um, yeah. And then figure out really, I mean, a big thing for us is just being honest, say it how it is. We're, it, we're the type of company that if we can't do it, if we're not good at it, if it's not our um, forte, we don't try to do it all. We, we say where we, where we can support you and where we can't. Um, you know, I was just on a call with uh, a franchisor um, the other day and he was saying, I have three objectives and one of his objectives was Fran Dev Marketing. And I'm straight up I'm like, that's not us. That's not our forte. But a lot of times people work with a, with a company where they do it all. And, you know, that's not our specialty. That's a very different type of marketing. Um, but when it comes to the, you know, franchisee consumer side, we got your back. And um, just, I think, ask questions and really look, is the, is the, is the other, you know, company just trying to do it all? Um, do you feel that they can be specialists in everything or, you know, where do you really feel like you can trust them? And, um, and then, you know, you should always ask the tough questions, you know, where, where's your proof? Where's your, where's the clients when, you know, talk to clients, find out how they support franchise brands. Uh, a big one for us is we invest heavy in human capital, talking to franchisees. We've just found that franchisees need high touch. They, they need to be, um, corralled and kind of educated, um, feel like there's a relationship, build trust. And, you know, we don't skip over that. We really invest heavy because if they don't feel confident, they stop investing and, and they, the whole thing doesn't work. So those are just a couple of things um, maybe to look for in, in a marketing partner. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And I think there's absolutely something to be said about really staying in your lane and knowing who you are, who you're not, what you're good at and, and what you're not, and really specializing in what you specialize in and staying in that lane and not trying to be a jack of all trades, because I think you're going to be able to, in my mind, it's better to move a mile in one direction versus a millimeter in a million and one different directions. And to really be able to deliver those results for, you know, at the franchisee level, I think that's critical. So I think it is, there is something to be said about working with a company that specializes in, in one specific thing. And they know their, their secret sauce, their sweet spots, they know their lane and they, and they stick in it. And they're willing to say no to opportunities that, yeah, might pay them some money, but ultimately they know they're not going to be able to deliver the, the right kind of results, maybe, or maybe they were, they just don't, that's not their business model. And so that's, you know, I think there's, I think that's just integrity really is just to kind of stick with your lane. Yeah. And, and I would take it even further in terms of um, just think about all the marketing channels and opportunities there are. And if you're an emerging brand, you've got a even the big brands, their budgets are finite, like marketing, there's only so much money and you've got to go achieve some big outcomes and there's always lots of pressure and you're trying to deliver. And I find that a lot of times you just said, you know, going in too many directions and not going deep enough. That's a, that's a big mistake that a lot of companies make. And so, um, yeah, you don't want to be doing everything because you won't do it well. You really want to focus on the areas that are most important with your type of business. Who is your target audience? You know, all the classic things in marketing of really figuring that out. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a busy world out there and it's easy to get caught up in the hype and the excitement. But you know, is TikTok really driving leads for your business right now? Is that the best place for your new franchisee to spend 
10% of their budget? Or is it better to really focus it and, you know, make sure that the results are, are tangible and clear? And yeah, so it, it, it can easily get distracting and you can do too many things not well. For sure. One question, we'll have a couple more questions here, then we'll wrap up because we've been going for a little bit. But if you were given $10,000 tomorrow, and I know $10,000 in today's world isn't a whole heck of a lot of money, but but just for the sake of having a focused question, you have a finite amount of money. If you had 10 grand or even call it 20 or something like that, uh, what would you advise? And, I, and I'm sure it's dependent on the franchisor and their business, but where would you say like, hey, is it Google that, that you'd be putting that money into? Is it Facebook ads? Where would you, what, what's the number one place you'd be going to, would you say? Yeah, um, that's really hard to answer when it's when I don't know who the business is because it's right. so dependent on the the product, the, the market you're serving. So can you give me, can you give me a, a little bit of context? Like sure. what's the, what's the brand? Give me like a, give me a, an industry. I'm a painting franchise. Okay. You're a painting franchise. That's good. Um, so what I would, what, what we would do first, I, I would say Google is definitely where I would, where I would focus um, because I would want to know, can I get cost-effectively people who are looking for painting to just find me and come and buy from me versus trying to tell everyone in my community that I do painting, whether or not they want painting or are going to remember, right? Because if, if it's not something you're looking for, you're just wasting dollars spending them all over the place. Now, mind you, that's that's branding. And so there's an argument that said, well, you know, you should, uh, you should be branding and make sure people know who you are so that when they want you, they're going to come to you. But if you only got 10 grand, and you've got a local market, I would probably look at um, Google pay-per-click and see, are there, is there a search volume of people looking for painting services within a kilometer or like a mile, there's my Canadian kilometer radius, a uh, mile radius or a few miles around where I'm, where my market is um, and drive those people to a clear page that says, this is what I do. This is why you should work with me. Here's my reviews. Um, come talk to me and, and, record those phone calls, track the leads. Um, that's where I would, if I only had 10 grand, that's where I would spend the money. But I would also take a look at like, how expensive is it? Are the clicks ridiculous? Um, am I even getting the, the quality leads that I'm looking for? And there'd be other products that, that might make sense to, to test a little bit with that. But yeah, that's where I would look for that kind of a business uh, in the first place, as opposed to Facebook advertising. Uh, I think I would, I would more go that route. Absolutely. It's so just from listening to you, that's why I think it's so critical to work with someone that really knows what they're doing and has the experience in this space, because I noticed the types of questions you were asking. They're very focused, pointed questions that, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. And so if you're not asking the right questions, you're not getting the right answers. And so it's important to work with somebody that can really get you to ask those right questions. So funny uh, you say that, because as you're, as I'm talking, I'm like, I didn't even ask you any questions. Like, are you, are you selling a commercial or is it residential? you know, what, what kind of services do you offer? Do you offer high-end paint services or just, you know, get her done kind of paint services. And that'll change who you're going after, what the strategy will be. And so, yeah, it's funny. I kind of feel like I butchered that in terms of I did, because it's all about asking the right questions and really making sure that the business strategy lines up with the marketing strategy. And yeah. For sure. Well, you were asking questions about the, the metrics that they should be looking at. And as far as the marketing is concerned as well, how do they know if it's, if it's doing well or what needs to be tweaked? Is, are they, is the cost per click really, really high? I mean, so those are important metrics to look at. And if you don't know what metrics to look at, then 
you're kind of dead in the True. water. Yeah. And I mean, the easy one is Google has all the data on how many people search in your community for your keywords. Like, do people like even look for painting companies? Are they all looking for cheap paint companies? All that data exists. And so before we even dive in, we actually research that and you're able to see, okay, there's 3000 searches a month. And here's what the average cost per click is. All that data exists before you even spend a dime. So yeah, it's, it is uh, about asking the right questions and, and figuring that out. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So last question here, and I'd be kind of uh, remiss if I didn't ask this question. So obviously we've been in the pandemic now for almost two years at this point. And so how has the marketing landscape really changed pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and then hopefully post-pandemic? And you're, you're talking about for our customers. Yes. Um, I mean, e-commerce is, you know, our retail clients, um, e-commerce is becoming a more, like one of our retail clients was able to kind of avoid e-commerce for a long time. And through the pandemic just can't. So um, I think just being more accessible online and being um, people are, that trend was already happening. It just got ramped up um, and, and people now need to have like their storefront has to be online, right? Like your, your website, if it's not, if it doesn't have that, that feel that you're looking for and that connects with your brand, that really hurts because that's where people go to first. And um I don't know. I think everything just got amplified um, in terms of our customers. Um, not a lot of stuff changed in the home service space. Um, I mean, certain markets just went bonkers. Um, some shut down. Um, some you found out were kind of recession proof. So it, it was interesting to see what the data showed, but in terms of marketing strategy, um, I don't think there were any major shifts for our clients like that come to mind. Um, I think some of our clients innovated well and created marketing and products that aligned with kind of a COVID world. And that was, that was really important to, to be relatable. So there were certain little tweaks, but in terms of like core where money was being spent and um, even results for the most part, that didn't really shake too much. Um, I just think that the online world is more important than ever. And as people want to, you know, if you are behind because your restaurant's been closed for six months, well, everyone now is competing. And so the competition's gone up, but if you just sit there and open your doors and hope things happen, uh, good luck. Right. So it's, it is, it's, it's put a lot more pressure on marketing and making sure that you're getting your name out there and driving traffic, but I don't have any big zingers for you or any big um, golden, golden nuggets here. I can't think of any right now. Um, I mean, there's some new, new products out there and there's new ways. Um, but that's not making up the majority of, of the work we do. It's still the good old stuff. I, I mean, Facebook to, went through a big change. I don't know if that was COVID related, but just with their iOS system and their lack of tracking, I mean, they took a huge hit in, in, from us kind of, uh, marketers, the trust in Facebook has gone down quite a mm. bit. And I know some brands that used to lean on that for success are diversifying because they're, they're seeing a huge drop in the results. So that's probably the biggest shift has been Facebook kind of taking a bit of a nosedive. Got it. No, I think that's all really great stuff. I think more than ever, you hit a nail on the head. You have to be online nowadays. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, you, it's already been a necessity, but even more so, I mean, you just, 
you're not going to survive if you're not online and if you're not if you're not doing these sorts of things. So, um, so yeah, I think we're, we're, we can wrap up now. I think Jeff, this was really, really informative. I think this was very, very helpful to uh, franchisees at the local level, uh, you know, franchisors that are thinking about bringing on a partner like you. And, and for those that are looking to franchise their business too, they really see the importance of helping their franchisees with that local marketing. And uh, so thanks so much for coming on. Where can our guests find more information about you and connect with you if they wanted to learn more? Yeah, no, appreciate you having me on. This was this was great. You asked some great questions. Um, probably the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Um, look up Jeff Horst and you'll see my mug on there and uh, happy to connect with anyone who wants to reach out. Uh, we try to interview franchisees, um, get into people's stories and and be able to talk about this. Um, and I share a lot of that content on LinkedIn. Um, people can reach out to me directly as well. Uh, my email, jeff at rocketbarn.com and uh, happy to chat with anyone who has questions about this as well. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you on the next one.